So today's daf is daf chavav, page 26 in Meseches Megillah. And we are starting the fourth and final parak, the fourth and final chapter of our beloved Mesechta. We are two lines from the bottom of 25b, Chavhei Amud Beis, as we start the new parak. Now here we go. The general idea that we are going to focus on in our Mishnah is the concept called Ma'alin Bekodesh Veloy Maridin. When it comes to areas of Kedusha, we must go up in Kedusha and not down. Okay, we need to, whenever you have something that, that is holy, there's an obligation to ensure that that thing continues to be elevated in holiness, even an item. For example, we're going to learn that if you have a shul and you sell the shul, the money from that sale can be used for something holier than a shul. For example, to purchase an Aron Kodesh, a holy ark. Okay? So, keep in mind that this idea really applies to us personally as well. There's an obligation on each of us to be Mylam Bekodesh, to do whatever we can with our lives to elevate ourselves in our holiness, and not to use the proceeds of our lives to, God forbid, uh, remove or lower ourselves in our holiness. The same way when you have an item or an object that must be used in areas to ensure continued growth in holiness, so too in our personal lives, let us read the Mishnah. B'nei Ha'ir, people from a city. They sell, this, the, they sell a street of, <coughs> they sell a street of the city. Now, what do you mean the street of the city? So Rashi points out that, remember, we learned on a public fast day on the Taina Seabor that people would go out and daven in the town square. That town square now becomes holy. We're going to have a fascinating conversation, a fascinating machlokas um, about how much usage gives something perpetual holiness. But from here you see that the town square, which is set to be used on public fast days, if the people were to sell that area, so the halacha is leichem of beis You need to go up in holiness, and therefore that money can be used to now purchase a full-time shul, while the town square was considered a part-time shul. Beis If you sell a shul, leichem teva, you could use it to to buy to purchase an aron kaidesh. Teva. If you sell an aron kaidesh, leichem mitvachais. You can buy what we call the mantles, the coverings of the svarim. If let's say you're selling the mantles, the coverings, the wrappings of the svarim, we now turn to the top of today's daf. You're allowed to purchase books of Kedusha. This doesn't mean specifically a Sefer Torah. It means any book of holiness. Svarim, if you sell svarim, books of holiness, then you're only allowed to purchase a Sefer Torah with that money. Okay? Now it's interesting and to, to note that so far the Mishnah is telling us you need to go up in holiness. What about to sell a shul to buy another shul? What about the same level of holiness? So far from the Mishnah, it seems mylum bakodesh. You, you must go up in Kedusha. But now let's read the second part of the Mishnah. It's going to imply differently. If you sell a safer for you cannot purchase lower. It seems same level okay, you know? Like Yehuzvarim, you're not allowed to purchase Svarim. 
Svarim, if you sell Svarim, you, you cannot purchase the mantle coverings. Matfechais, if you sell the coverings, Teva, you're not allowed to purchase in Aron Kodesh. Teva, if you sell in Aron Kodesh, you're not allowed to use that money to buy a shul. If you sell a shul, you're not allowed to purchase a, time, a, a square, a, 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 the city square, right? The place where people would get together on public fast. Now, this is fascinating. Listen to this. Last two words of the Mishnah. The same holiness applies to the leftover money. So let's say we sell a shul. You're allowed to use that money to buy a Sefer Torah. What happens if I sell a shul for a million dollars, but my Sefer Torah costs 50000 So now, was I allowed to buy that Torah? Sure, but you got a lot, a whole boatload of extra money. Do we say, listen, I already purchased my Sefer Torah. Now the rest of the money is free for me to use however I want. Says the Mishnah, no. The leftover money must also be used in an elevated way of holiness. Okay, that is the end of the Mishnah. Let's get into the Gemara. The people in the city who want to sell the, the uh, city square... Amar Rabba, Babrachan, Amar Vichan, Rabbachan says the name of Vichan, and Zudu, Rabbi Menachem Bar Yaisi Stumta'a. This is the opinion of Rabbi Menachem Bar Yaisi Stumta'a, the anonymous author of Mishnayis. The Chum say, Harachayv aim by Mishum Kadusha. Listen to this. The sages say that the town square that's only used at random intervals on public fast days does not have holiness, and you do not need to sell it. For something which is more holy, because it itself is not intrinsically holy. Now, listen to this. this is a fascinating machlekes, and it's, I believe it's very applicable to our lives, because some people live their lives in perpetual holiness, and some of us have, uh, you know, ups and downs, the normal ones, right? You got times where we, you know, we ha- we have those bursts of inspiration, and sometimes where we hit a rut. Yeah, so Rav Menachem Rabbi Yaisi is saying that a town square doesn't just because you use it every once in a while on a public fast day does not give it hol- uh, um, does I'm sorry does have holiness he says it does have holiness the sages argue the Chacham say it does not have holiness you only used it you know at, at random times now says the Gemara of Rav Menachem Rabbi Yaisi my time mate what's the reason for Rav Menachem Rabbi Yaisi who says that the town square the city square has holiness, and you need to use it for more holy things. Since at intervals, people do daven there on their public fast days and for the mamadis. What do the Rabbanans say? Why do they say it does not have holiness? Beautiful. They say, no, how often do you have a public fast day? Yeah, once every couple years. Okay, you're right. That's the, the town square is set aside to be used for every couple of years. We you know something. Kedusha that pops up only every once in a while does not have perpetual holiness, and therefore you are not limited to um, you're you're not limited to its sale. It's not like an element. Of, it's not in the status of holy. Then now you got to make it more holy. No, something that pops up every once in a while, and I believe that this machlekes also can be very well taken into our personal lives as well, where there's a, there's a message here that, the, that Rabbi Nachum Rabbi Yaisi is saying, listen, there's holiness, even if it's, it's these bursts of inspiration. The Chum say, listen, you got to make sure, you know, a Yid has to at least attempt 
to ensure that the holiness comes around on a more consistent basis. Okay. Beisach Knesset Leichen Teva, if you sell a shul, you're allowed to purchase a Aron Kaidesh, a holy ark. Amr Shul Barachmeni, Amr Vienis, and Rashul Barachmeni says the name of Vienis, Laishanu Ella Beisach Knesset Shalkvarim. This is true in a shul which is, which is for the townspeople. Avol, Beisach Knesset Shalkvarim. Listen to this. A shul in a metropolitan city, you're never allowed to sell a shul in a metropolitan city. You know why? It belongs to the entire Jewish community. Meaning, if you have a shul in a small town, where you have a few local people, 10 people, 5 people, 10 people, 50 people, right? They support the shul. They keep it going. They're the shul board. They take care so they could sell the shul. But if you have a shul in a large metropolitan city where people come and they make donations from all over the world, there's no particular group that has enough ownership to even be allowed to sell it in the first place to purchase it for an arun. All right. Omar Ravashi. Ravashi says, let's qualify this question, or this statement. The shul in the city of even though it's a large city and people come from all over the place, since they come in, when people come in, they realize, even when they make donations, that there's somebody else in charge who's going to be making the decisions. For example, the Rav. If I want to, says Ravashi, I'm the Rav, I could sell the Shul. Because when they're coming, they're coming and davening and making donations because they understand that there are people in charge. What Ravashi is qualifying is that if you have a shul in a metropolitan city where people are coming through and they're making all sorts of things, but they know there's a board of the shul or a group of people, a rav, that are going to ultimately be making the decisions that's in the best interest of the shul, then, of course, those, that group or those individuals can and may do what they want with... Um, with the Beisach Knesset. Meisvei, that's a challenging question. Um, Reviewed Reviewed says, Meisvei, but Beisach Knesset shall torsiyim. There was a story with the shul of those who deal with copper. The shul was in Yerushalayim. Shemachrul Rebbe Eliezer. The copper people, they sold this shul to Rebbe Eliezer. And Rebbe Eliezer did not use the shul as a shul. He used it for whatever he needed it for. Ask the Gemara, how is that possible? This was a this was Yerushalayim. Okay, so this was a city where many people would go through. And how can the sale ever happen? Answered the Gemara, It's a particularly small shul, the Inu Abdu, and they put it up, meaning they made their own conditions over what the future of the shul is uh, is going to be like. Okay. So if you make if you build it with a particular mindset, you're no you're not limited to the halachas of our Mishnah. Meisvei, that's a challenging question. When you um, purchase a house in the land of your achuza, the land of your heritage, a house in the land of our heritage, meaning in Eretz Yisrael is capable of becoming Tomei for Tzara'as. But in Yerushalayim itself, so it's not capable, Tzara'as is not capable of coming to a house. If you see a Tzara'as look 
on a house in Yerushalayim, it's not even Saras. Omar Rav Yudah, we'll see why soon. Omar Rav Yudah, Yudah says, According to me, even Yerushalayim is, uh, a house in Yerushalayim is capable of getting Tsaras, but only in the Makam Mikdash is there no such thing as Tsaras. Now, let's clarify. It seems that a base medrash, a shul, is capable of becoming Tomei. But am I? How is that possible? How is it capable of becoming Tomei? Since they're not allowed to be sold, there's no specific owner, and anything that has no specific or, or personal owner, that's really when it's not capable of becoming Tomei. So, okay, so the Gemara here is starting to clarify for us why uh, there's an opinion that in Yerushalayim you can't have Tsaras, and why there's an opinion that the Beis Amikdosh can't have Tsaras. You know when you can't have Tsaras? When it's not privately owned. Any house that's in Yerushalayim always, at, to an extent, belongs to Klal Yisrael. While Rabbi Yudah says, no, it's only the Makam HaMikdosh. And that's the Gemara's question over here. Why is a Shul or a Beis Knesset capable of becoming Tomei if it belongs to the Tzibor? Answers the Gemara, Ema say, Amar of Yehuda, it doesn't mean makam mikdash to base mikdash, rather it means makam mikdash. Any place that's holy, including a shul, and including a base medrash, is not capable of becoming tummy. Otherwise, it will be capable of becoming tummy. Says the Gemara, but my kamiflagi, what is the machlekas between Rabbi and the Tanakama? Tanakama sovar, the Tanakama, again, Lo's Tanakama's opinion that any house in Yerushalayim cannot get Saras, he's of the opinion, Yerushalayim was never divided amongst, uh, amongst the Shvatim, was never divided amongst the tribes, and therefore, it's not called a house in the land of our heritage. A heritage is only a land that was given over to a particular Shevet, a particular tribe. Rebutasavar, Rebutas says, was divided amongst the Shvatim. Now, how, how do we find this Machlokas? And this Machlokas actually was previously argued about already in Abraisa. Where do we see this Machlokas about the status of Yerushalayim? Titania we learned in Abraisa. Which part of Eretz Yisrael did Yehuda receive? Harabayas. He received the Harabayas, what we know as the Temple Mount. Halishkais. The rooms, Vazaret, <coughs> excuse me, the courtyards, and we know that the Makkah Mikdash was kind of divided, and uh, like, you know, like if you go into a different country, sometimes you could cross the border, and then as you keep driving, you kind of re enter your original country, because borders are not straight across. So, too, the border between Yehuda and Benyamin was in Yerushalayim, and where the Makkah Mikdash was, there were various parts were in Yehuda, and some parts were in Benyamin. That's what we're explaining here. Which part of the Beis Hamikdash was in the part of Benyamin? Ulam, the the large opening hallway, the Heichal, and the Kaidesh, the Heichal, Uveis Kaidesh Akadoshim, and the Holy of Holies. Uritzua, Hayyaytzas Michalkosh Yehuda. There was a strap of land, the Ritzua. We know this from like our leather straps of our tefillin. That that would that would jut out from the chelak of Yehuda. Benachnesas Michalkosh Abinyamim, and it went into the part of Binyamin. Uba, and that was the part Mizbeach Banui that the Mizbeach was built. Vayabinyamin Hatzadik Mitztarla B'Chol Yoyv LeBayla, and Binyamin Hatzadik. Okay, the the holy 
the holy Binyamin. We call him a tzaddik, he never did Navera. Um, so he davened always that the, that the Mizbeach should be in his chilek, in his portion. Shenemar, as it says, he would be in, he would be in, uh, you know, in tsar, in pain about it, the whole day. Therefore, because he cared so much to have this holiness, he ultimately had the merit to have the Shekhinah, the Aron. Rashi says, the Holy Ark ended up being in his Shevet. So do we give him the land? We didn't get the land. But you see from here, when you care enough about something, and you're mitzdar over something, and you want something badly enough, HaKadosh Baruch Hu will work it out. But the Tana... Said, um, but the other Tana holds that Yerushalayim was not divided amongst Yehuda and Binyamin. Yerushalayim itself was not divided amongst the Shvatim. How do you know there's this other opinion, the Tanya? Because we learned in Hebrew, you're not allowed to rent out homes in Yerushalayim. Okay? Rashi says that this is referring to Klau Yisrael. When they would come on to be Eile Rega, when they would come to, <coughs> to Yerushalayim on Pesach, Shavuos, and Sukkot. So you'd think this, was, this would be an Airbnb fest. Yeah? People would, right? It's like a Super Bowl. Yeah? People come to the city during the Super Bowl, all of a sudden, rentals, right, become a hundredfold. A room that was $100 the last week becomes $10,000 because of uh, supply and demand. So you'd think that in Yerushalayim, by Pesach, Shavuos, and Sukkot, everybody needed a room. All of a sudden, all of the holiday inns and the Marriott's, yeah, they're all, uh, all everything's getting quadrupled. Says the Brisa, no. It was forbidden to rent out rooms in Yerushalayim. Because nothing in Yerushalayim is really privately owned. Everything in Yerushalayim belongs to Klau Yisrael. And the same way, you're not allowed to charge money for teaching Torah. Because the Torah belongs to all the Kal Yisrael, you're not allowed to charge money for staying in Yerushalayim. Rabbi Lazar Bar Tzadik, Rabbi Lazar Bar Tzadik says, "Afloi mitois." Not only were they not allowed to uh, rent out a, a hotel room or a house, you couldn't even say, "Oh, you know what? I'll give you the room for free, but I'm going to charge you for the bed." Can't do that either. The fikach, therefore, I raise kachim, balei oshpizin, nightlin aisai bizraya yehidis. Um, w- the way it worked, however, is that since it was forbidden to, uh, to charge, but those who owned areas, they were permitted to tell anybody, those who owned areas in Yerushalayim, they were permitted to tell the Eilerega, listen, I can't charge you, but it's not nice of you either to just use my things without any sort of compensation, but I can't charge you money. So you know what they would do? They would take the skins of all the olas that were brought by all of Klal Yisrael, that's, that was kind of how they were uh, paid, how there was uh, an element of reciprocation. But you see from the Zebraisa that Yerushalayim belongs to nobody. Omar Abai, Abai says, Shmami, no, you learn from here. Eirechara, it is proper derech eretz. It's the right thing. Lemishvak inosh gofa umashcha be'oshpiza. It's proper that when you stay in somebody else's house, and they do you a favor to leave something behind so that they could have some sort of financial gain. Don't just, uh, you know, don't, don't, 
somebody does you a favor, they let you stay in the house, and you, you, you bought a big bottle of shampoo, right? You only needed it for two days, and there's enough, uh, just leave it behind, leave it behind for the host, the same way we find by the Eilat uh, Rebbe. Amar Rabba Rabba says, Lo, Shanu, back to our mission, we only learned Allah's of Mylon Mekadesh, and you got to move up in holiness. This is only if you didn't originally have seven appointed people sell it in the presence of the Anshei Ha'ir. Okay? That's when you don't have the proper setup is when all these rules apply that you need to go up in Kedusha. Listen to this. Fascinating halacha. But, if you have seven appointed members, board members we'll call them, who sell the property in the town hall, meaning in front of people in that town, then the halacha is afilu, top of Ahmed Bey's, even if you want to purchase it for wine, shapir or beer, shapir dummy, it is allowed. All these halachas that you're permitted, that, that you're limited within its sale, is only when um, is only when you have people doing this on behalf of the kedusha of the community. However, if the community is completely in, that listen, this thing has ran its course. The shul has run its course. We're now we now move three miles over. If you have the right setup, then you're not limited. If you have the right setup of of the seven appointed members of the community doing it in front of the whole community, you're not limited to a sale that must be an elevated part of holiness. Um, uh, rather, you can even sell it if it's going to be used for uh, for other things. Now, we know that in general, anything which has holiness, you're not allowed to disrespect it. It's not allowed to be used for random things. But over here, what we're saying is, as long as it's going to be used in a respectful way, it, you're not limited to the, you know, if you sell a shul, you can only use it for Naran Kodesh. That limitation is gone. Okay. Here we go. Last word on the top line of Chaf Vav Amud Beis. Ravina Havalei Tila Debe Kanishna. Ravina had a Tila. There was a, a pile of stones um, from a shul. Okay, so, you know, it was an older shul. Some of it had already uh, collapsed. Also, came the Ravashi. He came from Ravashi. Amr Mahu le Mizra. Okay, um, am I, are we allowed to start like plowing in this area? Amr zil zabni mishivatu veir man ben ansheir uzray. Yeah, you're allowed to. Um, you're you're uh, as long as you have the proper setup. We have the seven people plus the maimed anshe ha'ir plus the townspeople. Then it would be permitted to uh, to plant in that area. Okay. Rami Baraba Hava Kabani Be Kanishta Havahi Kanishta Atika. Rami Barakama was building a shul, and there was a different older shul, Hava Boy Lemistere, that needed to be knocked down. Ulasuye Livno Kushura Minos. Here's what here's what was going on. Rami Baraba wanted to build a new shul. There was an old shul in town that was no longer in use. And Rami wanted to take the bricks from the old shul to use for the new shul. Ulasuye livne and to take the bricks, ukshuremina and the and the beams from it. And then bring it over to the new location. Okay, you understand? 
So he's not moving up in holiness. He's using it for the same thing. Yosef v'komi boyelei. So he sat down and he asked. Hod Rav Chista. This halacha of Rav Chista. Dom Rav Chista, Rav Chista says, you're not allowed to knock down one shul until you already have another shul. Now here's the problem. I can't have my new shul. I can't wait to knock down my old shul before building the new shul because the new shul needs the beams and the bricks from the first shul. So if I wait to build the second shul before I knock down the first shul, I'm never going to have my beams and my bricks. So what do I do? You understand the problem? You're not allowed to knock down the old shul until you already have the new shul. The problem is the new shul needed equipment from the shul number one. So, he says like this. Here's the Shiloh. So, is the reason why Rechista says that you need to have a second shul before knocking down the old shul is because people might come to Pshia. They're going to come to be negligent and leave the whole city without a shul. So you got to make sure is there. So, then the Shiloh is going to be Kihai Gavna Mai. In this situation, where there's really much less of a concern for negligence, because the whole reason why I'm knocking down shul number one is in order to build shul number two, what is the halacha? Okay, that's his Shiloh. So, Asla Kameda of Papa, he came in front of Papa with his question, the Asar lay. And Papa said, it's Asar, nothing doing. The Kameda of Huna, and then he asked the Shiloh to Ravuna, the And Ravuna also said, it's going to be forbidden. No, you cannot do that. You got to get brand new beams and brand new bricks in your situation. You cannot leave a, a, a town or a city without a shul. Omar Rava. Rava says, To sell a shul for something else is allowed. But to rent it out, Okay, um, or to make a make a mashkum, which is a collateral, then aser, uh, uh, aser, yeah, then it's forbidden. My taima, what's the reason? Because when you're only renting out a shul or using shul as a collateral, it still has its kedusha, and therefore, for people to just use it for something else is is uh, it's disrespectful. They're going to use it for whatever they want for an office. Um, when it still has the status of a shul, what's one thing if you sell it and then you exchange it and you, and you transfer the kedusha onto something else? Again, remember we said you're allowed to do this as long as you have the seven appointed members of the community in front of the community. That, uh, but the Gemara now is qualifying that that even so, it, it has to be a type of sale where the whole status of a shul is removed. Livni nami, the bricks of a shul as well. Chilufinuv zuvrinu shavim. To be um, machlef, to change them out, to swap them out, or to sell them is allowed. But to lend bricks of a shul is usher, right? You're not allowed to do that because these are shul bricks. What are you doing using it to sit on it? This is true by old bricks. Let's say they were new bricks, meaning we built a brand new shul and there was a surplus of bricks once we're done that surplus of bricks that were never needed for the shul in the first place are allowed to be used for whatever you need it. They don't have holiness. Even according to the Omar, the opinion that says setting aside gives something holiness. So I would think maybe these bricks, even though they weren't actually used as part of the building, 
they were set aside as building materials for a shul, so they should already have holiness. No, that's not true. Hanimili, when do we say something that's set aside gets its holiness right away? That is only true. Kagon ha'oreg beged lemes. When somebody is <coughs> is weaving tachrichim, okay, and uh, for somebody when someone passes away, their, their final uh, set of clothing, okay, avalhacha ketavoy la'oreg dami. But over here, it's not like woven uh, tachrichim. The bricks are kind of like the string that's going to be used to be woven into tachrichim. And there is nobody who's of, uh, there's nobody who's of the opinion that such an early stage already gives it a status of holiness. Period. Okay. Now the Gemara asks a one-word question. Here we go. Matana, question mark. What happens if you give it, you don't sell it, you don't swap it, you don't exchange it, you don't collateral it, you give it to somebody as a present. If you give it to someone as a gift, what is the status of the shul? One says it's forbidden, and one says it is allowed. The one who says it's not allowed. Where does the Kedusha go? Therefore, you know, it's rhetorical. Where is it going? Of course it's Asr, because it retains its holiness. Uman the Shari, the one who says it's allowed, if there wouldn't have originally been any sort of ana, any sort of benefit, so then they it wouldn't be a gift in the first place. And therefore, the matana, the, the present, the gift, Mimela is considered to be a sale. Period. End of that conversation, end of that back and forth. Okay. Now, we're done with that discussion right now of Mailim B'Kaidesh V'loi Maridim for the current moment. Let's pause and talk outside for just a moment. We have heard of the concept of Seamus. Okay? Seamus. This is uh, people that uh, make a lot of money off burying other people's Seamus. Yeah, and sometimes souls will have collections where people could bring their holy, uh, their holy books, their notes, flyers, papers that have various verses, Hashem's name on it. What do you do? This is one of the, you know, this is one of the, uh, uh, um, what are they called? Like the pet peeves of a Torah household. What do you do with all these, with all these flyers that now uh, get sent in, in the mail? Or are brought home from shul. You need to have like a special Seamus box, right? And then what do you do with it? Who's collecting it this year? And it just keeps stacking up all these papers. The kids come home from school with all their, all their uh, Parsha sheets and nobody knows what, you know, you know, well, what to do with them. What do you do with your tzitzis, right? So this is what we're going to get into now. This is what the next Bryce is going to deal with. Tanu Rabban and the rabbis learned in socially. Tashmishe mitzvah. Anything that's used to help in the um, action of a mitzvah, the halacha is nizrakin. Those can be thrown out. Okay? Those can be thrown out. There is no kedusha on something that helped a mitzvah be done. 
Tashmishe Kedusha. Things, however, that are Tashmishim, they helped in the creation of something which is holy. Then Nignazim. Nignazim means they need to be put aside, they need to be buried. Okay, that's what we call Shemus. Fine. Now, what's Tashmishe Mitzvah that you're allowed to throw out? Ve'iluhein Tashmishe Mitzvah. Here are some examples of Tashmishe Mitzvah where there's no obligation to put into Shemus. Listen to this, fascinating. Sukkah. Your schach. Okay? Do you have to throw your schach into Shemus? No. The mitzvah is to sit in the sukkah. To sit in the kosher sukkah. The schach itself is not the mitzvah. The schach allowed me to perform a mitzvah. Lulav. Or a lulav. Shofar. A horn. A shofar. Tzitzis. And tzitzis. Once you're done with it, you could throw it in the garbage. Now it's brought down in halacha, it should be thrown out in a respectable way. You shouldn't just throw it in with the chalant or with the uh, soggy Cheerios. It should be wrapped respectfully before it's thrown out. Okay. And the following things are considered tashmishe kedusha that need to be buried or hidden away. The luskmi svarim um, um, bags that hold svarim, tefillin, umezuzus, bags that hold svarim, tefillin, umezuzus, the tick shall say for Torah, the tick, a carrying case of a sefer Torah, the nartik shall tefillin, and the the bag that holds the tefillin, uretsuai seyem, and the tefillin straps. Okay, even though the straps themselves don't have anything written on them, any verses like you have inside the actual boxes, but the straps themselves are called tashmishe kedusha, and they must be buried. Omar Rabba Rabba says, Mary Shabamin, originally I thought, Hai Korsaya Tashmish, this Tashmish, who, what we call a bima, a stender, that we read a Torah scroll on, I thought there's no holiness because that is something that helps the helper of a Torah. Because what happens? What do you lay a safer Torah on when you read it? You lay it on a, a bima cover, and then that bima cover leans on the bima. So the bima itself is really two steps removed from the actual Sefer Torah itself. So I thought that a bima is tashmish to tashmishu. It helps the helper, um, vishari, and therefore you could do what you want with the bima once you're done. However, kivan, but uh, since the chazina I saw, the maisve ilave Sefer Torah, I saw that there are times where they place a Sefer Torah directly on the bima without having a cover. Amina Tashmish Kedushu. I said it's Tashmishe Kedushu. I realized that no, it should be dealt with with holiness. The Usr. And it's only allowed to be used now for holy purposes. If you, know, if you ever notice in a shul, uh, sometimes if a shul will have like multiple binyanim, uh, for example, uh, multiple binyanim meaning that are not standard. For example, on Simchas Torah, Right, Simchas Torah, where every Jewish male gets an aliyah, very often shuls will split up into more minyanim than usual. And when they lay out the Sefer Torah, you put a talus down under the Torah on top of the table. Sometimes they'll open up a folding table, right? But instead of putting the Sefer Torah directly on the table, first we lay out a talus or a tablecloth, something. And it doesn't need to be a talus, it could be whatever, it, whatever you want. And then the Sefer Torah. Why, why are we doing that? 
so that the table now doesn't become limited in its holiness. Because if it's now going to get a full-fledged status as a bima, why am I allowed to use it uh, in 20 minutes for the show luncheon? You're not allowed to do it. But once you separate, you lay out a tablecloth or a talis, so now the table itself was never used directly with the Sefer Torah on it, and therefore we're not limited in what we're permitted to use it for. Very interesting. Okay. Um, all right, where are we up to? Vi Amar Rava. And Rava says, Originally I thought, Hai Prisa, the Tashmishu, the cover that they used to put inside of the Aran Kaidesh. Some shuls still have that as well, but it's like a material they wrap around inside the Aran Kaidesh. Tashmish, the Tashmish, keeping the Chazina, the Eiffelay, Amanchi, Sifrei, Since sometimes the, you know, what, what was inside the Aran Kodesh, these cloths would come out and the Sifrei Torah would actually stand on top of them. I realized, no, these things need to be dealt with with holiness. I mean, the Tashmish, Kedushu, the Usr, and you're not allowed to use it for non holy purposes. The Amarabha and Rabba says, Hai Tebusa, the Irpat. If you have, um, an Aron Kodesh, wood, uh, wooden Aron Kodesh, the earpot, that it, uh, it collapsed. It's no, longer, uh, it's no longer in use. So, me'ivada teva zutrasashari. You want to make a smaller uh, little Aron Kodesh now for the Sefer Terra, that's allowed. Korsaya Aser. However, to make a shtender from it is not allowed. You need to use it for something that's on the level of a Aron Kodesh or higher. Viyama Rava, and Rava says, Hi, Pierce the Bala, when you have a worn-out mantle, a Sefer Torah cover, to make another cover for a Sefer Torah is allowed, but to make it a cover of a regular Chomish, which is not, doesn't, it doesn't have the, which is not a full-fledged Torah scroll, is not allowed. Viyama Rava, Rava has another halacha, these bags that were used to carry the svarim, the chumashim, the kamtari, the sifri, and also the, they used to have hard boxes that would hold sifri taira as they would carry them. The svardik, the, the svardim pretty much still have this, right? The sifri Torah, the Torah scrolls are housed inside of these hard uh, cases. Tashmish kedushahu, they are tashmishe kedusha v'negnazim, and they're considered shameless, they need to be buried. Says Gemara Pshita, we knew that, that's simple, what's the Chiddush? Answer the Gemara, I would have thought to say, listen, they're, they're only made for practical purposes, they're not made to honor anything. So, yeah, so, you know, what are they there for? To make sure the Sefer Torah doesn't get ruined. If it's only there to make sure the Sfarim don't get ruined, the Sefer Torah doesn't get ruined, eh, I would say it's not, it's not like part of the holiness, right? It's just there to protect it. Kamash Balan, therefore, Rabbah lets us know it doesn't matter why, if the bottom line is it's there doing its job and it's housing uh, the Sefer Torah and, and ensuring the Sefer Torah doesn't get ruined, that has holiness, period. A beautiful message in life as well, okay? Sometimes, even if we're not there for necessarily the best reasons, but if you put yourself in the right environment, you're holy too. There was a shul that was there for the Romans. Obviously, Jewish Romans. Right? The Roman Jews. 
uh, it opened up to a room to have a machiz bay maze where there was uh, a corpse. They have a boy kahane, and the kahanim wanted lemeal to go up with saluye hasam to David in the shul. So here's the problem: there was a there was a corpse in the room leading into the shul, and the kahanim wanted to go David, but there was a corpse. They can't become impure. So what do you do? Asu, amru the They came and they told Rabba, you know, we're kind of stuck. We can't make it into shul. Amar lohu, he said to them, deluti vusa. Um, uh, pick up a teva, pick up a box, osvua, and then put it down covering the door. Okay? So basically what he said was, take a wooden box and close up the doorway. Because this is meant to sit in one spot. It's meant to rest in one place. And a cleates, which is there, which is meant to not be moved, is now considered part of the building. And therefore, it's not capable of becoming tomeh, and it's going to cause a separation. You understand? See, here's what's happening here. The rule is a movable object. If you have a wooden chair, you have a chair here, okay? So that's capable of becoming impure. Something that's part of a building, a wooden beam, something that's attached to the floor of your house is not capable of becoming Tameh. So these Kahanim wanted to go into the shul. The problem was there was an opening to a room where there was a corpse. So the Tumah, the impurity, is going to go into the shul and make them Tameh. So what Rava tells them is, don't worry, here's what you got to do. Take an Aron Kaidish, take an Aron Kaidish, an Ark. An Ark is not meant to be moved. It's meant to remain in one spot. Therefore, if you close off the entrance and put it in between the two rooms with an arc, even if it's not attached to the ground, it'll stop the impurity. Because since it's not meant to be moved, it's as if it's attached now and it's no longer capable of, of transmitting tuma. Hence, the tuma of the impurity of the corpse is going to stop by the aron, and now the anybody inside the shul is going to remain Tahar is going to remain pure. Okay. Amalei Rabbanu the Rav, the Rabbanu said to Rav, of Azim and the Metatle, they come on and say, Vatari Lavi. Sometimes we move the Aron Kaidesh. Vahavalei Metatle, Malei Bereka. And then it's going to, you know, the, that spot is going to be empty. So, so Rav says, okay, Yahaki La Yavshir, the Seder. You know, my advice is only if you keep your Aron Kaidesh there. But you're right. <laughs> you know, in Achanam, you're right. If, it, if you know that you're going to have to move the Aron Kaidesh, in order to get your Sefer Torah out for your Kriya Satora, or for whatever, so then, yeah, my idea is not going to work. Agreed. Okay. Period. Amar Marzutra. Marzutra says, Matpechais Sfarim Shebalu. Coverings of a Sefer that got worn out. You're allowed to use it for Tachrichen, for shrouds, for a Mes Mitzvah. If you have somebody who passes away, they don't have family to they can't afford uh, the proper needs for their burial. You can use this money for them. And this is how it'll be buried along with the person. And Rava says, If you have a Sefer Torah that gets worn out, you should bury a puzzle Sefer Torah that cannot be fixed up with a Talmud Chacham. It doesn't need to be the biggest Talmud Chacham, the biggest Torah scholar. It's a person who learns Halacha. Yeah, person who learns halacha. Amar Ravacha Bar Yaakov Ubekvi Cheres. 
the, the Sefer Torah should be put into a klicheres, into pottery, something that doesn't uh, dissolve uh, quickly. Shenemar, as it says, unesatam b'klicheres, you should place it into a klicheres, into pottery. Lema'an, in order, yamdu yam rabim, it should remain for long days. Okay. V'yomara papi mishmei de rava. Yeah, rava. Okay, papi says name rava. Let's say I want to take a base medrash and, and uh, turn it into, I'm sorry, from a base knesses. I want to take a shul and turn it into a bay rabbanon. I want to turn it into a base medrash. Can I make a shul into a base medrash? I'm now going to learn there instead of davening. Shari, no problem. However, to go from a base medrash where people sit and learn Torah into a shul where it's meant strictly for davening. Okay, obviously many of us are familiar with shuls where it's a combination. Here we're talking about where it's not a combination. Usr, it's not allowed. Says the Gemara of Rav Papa, the Rava Masni Ibcha. I, Rav Papa, quotes Rava to be the opposite, that you're allowed to turn a shul into, um, into a base medrash, but you're not allowed to turn a base medrash, just the opposite, I'm sorry. You're allowed to turn the... Base medrash into a shul, but a shul cannot be turned into the base medrash. It seems the holiness works the other way. Answer the Gemara, Amar Ravacha. Ravacha says, top of tomorrow's daf, Kavase der of puppy Nestavra. It's more logical to say that Rav Puppy's uh, approach is more logical, meaning that a base medrash has more holiness. The Amar of Yeshim Yubishuba Levi, because Yubishuba Levi says, Besakneses, Mutter la Saisa, base medrash. A Besakneses is permitted to turn into a base medrash because you're going up in holiness. Shmamina, from here you see that Rav Papi's original opinion that a shul could be a base medrash, but a base medrash cannot be turned into a shul, is the proper opinion. Period. We'll hold it here. And Bez Shema Matzi Shabbos pick up with Darash Bar Kapara at 6.30 p.m. Have a wonderful, wonderful Shabbos, everybody.